I've uh, I've, got, I've got the breakdown of all of the um, spending for Sefton Council up. Like, God, what? Hang on. Sometimes you ever wonder what the fuck happened to us? I mean, I'm sorry. That has to be our intro to the episode. <laughs> I'm thinking now, but only because like I'm genuinely interested to find. No, me, no fuck. I didn't mean to say I'm not. Do you know what I mean? Like I want to know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just asking the question that you know. And can we please have the start of our episode? Hey guys, right? I've got all, I've got all the spenders at the council. Up. Bam, bam. <laughs> we miss Joel. Do you know? <laughs> Welcome to Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. And I'm Dave. And this week is a continuation of our Stephen King month, and we're putting the 2019 horror remake, Pet Cemetery on trial. Is it a second chance for this King story to make it on our hit list, or is sometimes dead just better? Oh. <laughs> hey, that was all right, that one, I like that. I like it, I like it. <laughs> Uh, essentially, we're going to find out if this will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was The Green Mile. Arcee judged that trial and deemed that it should be placed on the hit list. He's since gone away and he's watched the film. Uh, well, I'm just reading off what I've written here, by the way. So did he make the right call? <laughs> he um, did watch it. He just didn't turn up to record the episode, which, <laughs> no, which we is should, a shame. Should have seen coming. <laughs> should have had a plan B. So he's a wild card. He's he is a wild, wild card. card. And the thing is, is now that we'll never know. Um, but, I mean, uh, general consensus between the three of us, did he make the right call? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of, of course he did. Absolutely. Of course. <laughs> of course. I mean, fuck me, it is long though, isn't it? It is. It long. is. It is, it is but it long. genuinely doesn't feel it. I'd, I'd maintain, I'm genuinely like enraptured by the film. I, I can't take my eyes it, off it. The book ends along. Do you know what I mean? You, you, after after John Coffey's uh, gone, you're a bit mm. like, you've checked out and it's like, yeah. how much longer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh, it's true. But if you've read, yeah. if you've read the book, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, they whittled that right down. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. From the end of yeah, the book, they so. did. So oh, to be that's, fair, that's not like Stephen King to ramble <laughs> no, on for an excessive amount of pages. <laughs> I, I, reading the book's not I mean it's not a hell of a lot longer than watching the film to be honest <laughs> <laughs> saying that though I listened to The Stand recently because I've been listening to books on Audible and The Stand was about 50 hours long Ooh. and oh man you know like and this this was during lockdown as well so you know I'm not listening to books commuting anywhere or you know buying the time I'm literally having to take time to sit and listen to it 50 hours is a long time man 50 hours is very it is. long yeah, it's uh, worth it but it, oh, it was definitely worth it, yeah. But um, yeah, who is, it, who is reading it out again? Is that um, the Michael York one? No, 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 Michael. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Michael York was um, Brave New World. And, oh, right. Yeah, he ran out of accents very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he kind of had he had a normal one, his normal accents, and then he had like a Cornish one. And by the time he was scraping the barrel. <laughs> He ran into a Scot and he was like, oh, hello there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, anyway, go a bit off topic here, but if you haven't listened to our Green Mile episode, I would highly recommend it. Uh, it is surprisingly good, good and lighthearted considering the material that we discussed. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> almost, almost some like say, 
too light-hearted. Offensively light-hearted. <laughs> yeah, we didn't mean to cause any offence, but it is surprising just how much of that trial we did talk about Tom Hanks' penis. <laughs> Anyway, surprising moving. for new listeners, I think, or people that don't know us. <laughs> well, anyway, anyway, moving swiftly on. Um, so, the, you know, all of their uh, roles, as usual, have been picked out of the hat at random. So, acting in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list will be me. And I'm just like the character John Coffey from The Green Mile. No matter how many good things I do in my life, you guys are always going to talk about the penises that I've manhandled. <laughs> And acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be Alex. Now, Alex is a little bit like Johnny Smith from The Dead Zone, a guy who is renowned for getting a head injury and then also spending a lot of time lying down in a coma-like state. <laughs> uh, now, you, can't, just... you can't argue with facts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have one for Ozzy. We don't actually know if Ozzy's going to pitch up or not. He's such a, he's such a wild card. We just don't know. But if Ozzy does come, then Ozzy is just like the character of Dick Halloran from The Shining. He's always late, but when he does arrive, he doesn't half disappoint you. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, just like real. <laughs> it's, it's true. Uh, now, just like real cause advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear what they really think. Which means this week, Dave has the most important role as he'll be playing the judge. Now, Dave is just like Paul Sheldon from Misery. He's got a dodgy ankle and a drinking problem. (laughs) 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 I'm only joking. I'm only joking. His ankle is fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Now, (laughs) Dave must decide which list the film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. Now, before we get started, I think we should probably give the listeners a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions. I mean, that didn't even make a, a noise there. Let me try it again. <laughs> did it, did it, it make it, a like? Yeah, it, it made a noise, goes. but it, it wasn't. It? it wasn't like a wow. Much, much better. It's landed on a question mark. So. Um, yeah, this is essentially the judge's pick. The judge can decide who ah. is going to yeah. uh, read out the synopsis and how he would like them to um, read out. Well, what are the suggestions for how we read it? I'll make my decision. After Fred Gwynn, I suppose. Fred Gwynn from the from the original Pet Cemetery, not the remake. I mean, I do love Fred Gwynn. Well, he's he played, but I mean, who's going to best that role, Dave? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Probably John Lithgow, if you were to ask me. Just yeah. pluck, pluck a name out of the hat. Yeah, you know John you, I tell you what, Alex, you remind me of just how good Fred Gwynn is. You, you take it away. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Louis Creed and his... No, I think I'm just doing Jimmy Stewart. So. No, no, that's quite good. Dr. <laughs> Louis Creed and his wife, Rachel, relocate from Boston to rural Maine with their two young children. The couple soon discover a mysterious burial ground hidden deep in the woods near their new home. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like Thank you. Yeah, you've got to say the catchphrase now. Remember... Sometimes a d- dead is better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was definitely Jimmy Stewart there. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that just what he said to, uh, when he first was introduced to Clarence? <laughs> he said, oh, sometimes, why won't you let me die? <laughs> 
<laughs> much better film much oh, better scene <laughs> wow. right. come on Clarence why won't you let me die <laughs> <laughs> moving, moving swiftly on the power of phrase Gav um, okay so yeah that gave me a vague idea what the film was about I mean I've, I've seen the original I've read the book and I've seen this uh, but it was a while ago. I saw it in the cinema when it came out. I don't really remember it. And what little I do remember goes to one side. This is all to play for. I am going to base this purely on the arguments that you guys put towards me. So with that in mind, who would like to kick us off with a, a synopsis, so to speak? You know, and we got a brief one there. But tell me a little bit more generally about the film, Gav. Okay, yeah. So uh, I've just pretty much expanded on what Alex just said. Um, this is about, well, if, if you've read the book and you've watched the original, you will know. It's about Lewis Creed and his wife, Rachel, and their children, Ellie and Gage. They move to a new house in rural Maine where their property backs onto a local pet cemetery. Ooh. Um, and when his daughter's cat dies, Lewis finds out from their neighbour, Judd, that there is an ancient burial ground just beyond that cemetery with the power to bring those buried in it back to life. And when fair, the tragedy does strike again, it's only a matter of time before those powers are needed to resurrect a human. Ooh. Uh, now, that, that added sort of emphasis of, of the terror is only just a brief sort of glimpse of what you, <laughs> what you'll find in this film. It's much scarier than that. Now, we're going through a bit of a Stephen King resurgence at the moment. Originals and remakes of King material are rife. There's been lots of new adaptations of his works, and there's been a few remakes as well. Now, what separates this from all the other King remakes is that it's original as in, you know, it, it's it's a remake, but it's also original. It's not necessarily an homage to the original film or a shot-for-shot remake, which quite often these remakes are. It makes drastic changes to the plot so that it can set itself apart and it's just not shackled in any way. And then it can explore and expand on its own themes and its own horror. It's really creepy. I think it's very scary as well. There's lots of different types of horror in here, not just jump scares. There's sort of building tension and dread. And it's different as well. As I said before, there's a lot of changes to this script. So it, I think it will appease both fans of the original, fans of the novel as well, and fans who may not have heard of either of them and are just watching this for the first time. Because the new twists are fun. They leave the audience uh, and, well, and, and us essentially guessing it's not just a King adaptation. It's it's a good King adaptation. As as we know, sometimes when Stephen King has been involved heavily with some of his work, they haven't maybe come, you know, they, they haven't, what am I trying to say here? But I was going to say, I was going to say bore fruit, but that's a more polite way of saying it. Thanks, Alex. But this was a really good adaptation, but it's not just a good adaptation. It's a fine remake as well that steps out of the shadow of the original and breathes life into an old King work. Okay. Thank you very much, Gav. Um, so, okay, just to recap swiftly for you, Alex, before you uh, bring, bring me on to some of these points. So Gav says, although this is a remake, we've seen many remakes of Stephen King films, uh, it's separate from some of the others we've seen because of the drastic changes that they've made to the plot. Uh, these changes work, I'm guessing, from what Gav said. And he says the, the overall feel of the film is it's creepy, it's got some good scares, some different elements of horror. It's a solid King adaptation without too much input from the author who did the screenplay for the original, as we know. And, you know, uh, fans of the novel are going to enjoy it. Uh, fans of the original film are going to enjoy it. Will, will both of them 
will be happy with this? You know, both fans of the original film? Um, I mean, if you were fans of the original film, then maybe. But remember, we put the original film on the shit list. Do you know what I mean? We didn't. We didn't think it was a good film. No, I mean, and... I would like to say not all of we. <laughs> I mean, I was okay. Yeah, I was the main detractor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gav was very upset, and I think he's picked this film mainly to prove a point and to sort of you know, <laughs> you know, dig up not for no pun intended, but dig up some old dead bodies <laughs> and try. <laughs> And try and resurrect this film on the right list. And um, I'm is afraid it, the is same... he resurrecting it though, or is this just <laughs> an exhumation at this point? Well, sometimes being on the shit list is better. I think. Like, bit, bit, <laughs> say it in just... the accent. <laughs> <laughs> Not a monkey. Like, <laughs> the, <laughs> this, uh, this, the Gav saying that this is, um, you know, a, re, a, a string of remakes. It came out, right? And then everyone ran. And fair enough, do you know what I mean? They want to make money. But everyone ran and started thinking like, wow, let's make some this some king money, right? And so they decided to remake Pet Cemetery. Uh, but it's more of a cash-in. It, you know, remaking it, there's a bit of artistic and that comes. This is a little bit more of a cash-in. And I'm just going to say that there's there's problems with Pet Cemetery as an actual story, like uh, in, in, in and of itself, that this film just doesn't really get past i think it's interesting what gav says about the plot changes yeah they're interesting i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie you know and the main one is basically instead of the boy dying it's the girl that dies right and then a little later on you think judd's gonna die at this point and then he doesn't but that's about it really a kid still dies because that's what you need for the thing but there's not i wouldn't say there's a great deal more that really that really changes from the original i'd say that the problem with the story just in and of itself and this is why the book isn't, I mean, I know I know Stephen King's, but the book's not really well regarded within Stephen King's own canon, right? And the film, the early film was not really very well regarded. And I'm afraid this film will also not really be very well regarded. It, it And the problem is the death of children in a story, it's just too messed up for this level of a story and it can't get quite past it. It doesn't have the chops to deal with death, the death of a child. And the original didn't, and uh, you know, I like the book, but I'm not sure the book did either, to be honest. I think this is what sort of casts a pall over it. You've got the death of a kid, which is huge. And you really need to be able to like put that in context and have big themes about that and really talk about that in this in a in a very deep way. And actually putting that in a in 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 kind of just a what is essentially a pot boiler story. It's an entertaining, but it is a pot boiler story. Lots of other King's films like Carrie, fantastic, that all works. But you know, a death of a young child just just sort of makes you go, <gasps> and you don't enjoy the experience really. Um, so yeah, and and you know, there's some old things in the story. I won't talk for too much longer. Indian burial grounds, not in 2019, I'm afraid. It's a, literally it's a joke of horror films that now. So they should, if you're going to change anything, my God, change the Indian burial ground aspect to the story. And Gav says that it's scary, but really, there's just no tension. I, I'm sure we'll come into horror later, but it isn't a scary film and the changes they made I think were quite minor and there's some glaring plot holes to the story that I'm just I'm not sure if it makes for a good film okay thank you very much Gav I saw your hand go up there I'm going to come to you now um I see what Alex is saying here when he talks about the source material Stephen King himself is not a fan of Pet Cemetery. You know, he, he enjoyed writing it, but then he went back afterwards, read it, and said, "This." I, I'm not even going to paraphrase him because he swears a lot, but he's like, this isn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> this this is not his best work. And it was, as Alex alluded to there, it's the theme of child of the death of the child. 
he didn't think he had the chops for it either at the time when he was writing. This is one of his earlier books. He wasn't happy with the with the uh, the outcome of this novel. So with that in mind, was the source material worth remaking? Was it worth adapting in the first instance? Was it worth the remake? Yeah, 100%. I mean, Alex said that this was a case of cash and gain, which I massively disagree with. Alex said in this episode, and if you go and listen back to the our, our which trial... I, I'm sure you do every night. <laughs> the, I, I do sometimes. When... Uh, when you annoy me, I like kind of like, oh, I just gonna go back and listen to that episode. And think about all That's the things. What I mean, that every night. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, and well, I disagree. If you thought it was a shit film, if you if you if the general consensus is that it's a shit film, which I disagree with, by the way, because it is a classic film uh, and that is beloved by many people in the horror genre. But if you say it was a bad film, and if you say that the novel itself was bad and it wasn't widely rega- regarded by even King himself, then obviously this is ready for a remake, especially because it's been thirty years after the original came out so why not i'd rather have this remade than you know i, I don't know like carrie which uh, which i think you know stands as itself as a, an excellent film to then try and remake that that was a case of cashing in or having something like i don't know spider-man get remade like four years after the, the last one came out like this makes sense 30 years enough time has passed and there are significant changes i'm sorry alex mentioned that this time around ellie dies instead of gage which i think is much better because as an audience you build more of an emotional connection with with ellie which i'll go into more detail about later on yeah i mean screw the kid in this one (laughs) i didn't care at all when that that young boy got mown over by a truck i had absolutely no emotional connection to him whatsoever Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to agree massively with what Alex is saying, but yeah, he's got the gist of it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, but the thing is, this time round, though, it's solely the dad's fault. In the original, like, the kid runs off. They're all sat around having a picnic. The kid runs off and is then run over, right? So it, it's essentially the whole family bears the grief. With this time round, the dad encourages them all to go and hide, and he's doing hide and seek, and that's the reason that Ellie is on the road and she gets run over so there's there's more reason for his trauma and his guilt and it gives extra credence to his stupid decisions that he makes later on you know, burying ellie in the pet cemetery when it didn't go well with the pet you know it, like it, it gives it more depth and alex said that they're the only two changes what about the ending the ending is vastly different like they, they changed the entire ending which was really surprised me and i think that it's much better for it because once again it doesn't place all the stupid responsibilities at the feet of the dad these are things that are done by other people so he doesn't look like an idiot for trying the same thing three times and getting burnt every time okay and, and also i'll just one final point i'm really sorry <laughs> oh, okay. but you mentioned about king um not liking the original his comments about the remake he said it's and i will if for uh, swear here dave uh, a direct quote he said it's fucking great <laughs> yeah but he's talking about a film do you know what i mean which <laughs> did you know Are you sure he wasn't i Comparing it with the original, or... <laughs> <laughs> in, comparison, in comparison, it is fucking great. But the first one was so fucking dire. By the way, I've arrived. Uh, yeah, hello, welcome to the fray, Ozzy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I preferred it when you went, so you well, prick. <laughs> just when you thought it was so well, Gav. Here comes a second prosecutor with a steel chair <laughs> wading into the ring. Uh, Ozzy, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Um, I thought it was. A largely dreadful film, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> um, I kind of wish I hadn't watched it. And you know what? It, it 
it, it partly, you know, one big thing I wasn't expecting much because we'd had to, you know, we'd we'd done the um, the older version, um, one of the Halloween horror months. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't expecting much anyway, and and I didn't get much, uh, quite frankly. And after having watched The Green Mile, which I'm glad I did, by the way, guys. We were interested in uh, to know your thoughts. We kind of yeah. paraphrased and presumed. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 long, but you know, worth it. Yeah, well worth it. And that's what um, that's what everybody says about Tom Hanks's dong as well. So <laughs> <laughs> still going, still going, gang. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the horror a few people have uh, have had when I explained that we spent probably fifteen minutes talking about that when they asked what I thought about the Green Mile. And I said that we put it on review. Like, oh right, I really loved that film. Yeah. What did you get into? Did you talk about this? I was like, well, actually, no, no, we no. didn't. We didn't get into the intricacies of. Uh, of death row or you know the the really heartfelt uh... do you remember that bit where he grabs his dick yeah we really we really went really <laughs> honed in on that really got yeah. that and, and every single person went isn't that in like the first, like, the first 30 minutes it's like yeah yes it is I, I tried to, to move us on from that conversation but, yeah. uh, but I failed so um, you know what this film in stark contrast is absolutely dire it would have it would have benefited from a little bit of penis holding to be fair <laughs> Uh, I'm going to fire a few ideas at you, actually, Ozzy, because you will have missed Gav's uh, opening argument. Uh, what do you make about some of these things? See if you've got anything to say. Gav says that this has different kinds of horror to it, that it's creepy, that it's scary. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think it goes for that. I mean, I think that's kind of on in the same vein as the first one. As The, the first one isn't particularly scary, but it does aim to be creepy, you know, and like Alex just said before about the whole, you know, the Indian burial ground Back then, that's a, a creepy unknown feature. Whereas we've had that now. You know, we've we've literally seen that a million times. Even I've seen that. You know, at least at least three times. You know, so it's um, it's and it's just not a spooky thing anymore. So it goes for it, and I think it I think it definitely does it better than the first one. That's that's a you know f- for certain. But it's um, it's not it's not. It's not scary, but it does aim to be, you know, and it does aim to have a different horror. It's not going for the the jump scare type stuff. It's trying to give you like horrors rather than um, you know, rather than scariness. I'd say. Okay, thank you very much. Um, I want to come to cast and characters. Now I know that we've we've had a good laugh at the expense of Dale Midkiff in the past, who was in the original. <laughs> I don't want to hear any more about Dale Midkiff. <laughs> but, oh but wow! I, I want to hear about his opposite number. <laughs> I want to hear about his opposite number in this film. So who takes on the lead role? What are the support like? What are the performances like? Gav, I'll come to you first. So I have personally got no problems with Dale McKinnon. <laughs> I am pleased to hear that. Uh. That is a point to the defense. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is that Alex definitely had some gripes with Dale Midkiff. So for Alex, I would say this is a definite improvement from Dale Midkiff. And that it's Jason Clark, who I think is a very good actor. And he is, he is he's very good in this. He, you know, he perfectly plays the role of a loving father that is thrown into the depths of trauma. He's 
he's brilliantly able to portray grief and he perfectly shows somebody who is, is really conflicted as well. You know, like from what we were missing from the original, we had the grief and we had the trauma of like losing a child. But now it feels more like it's his sole responsibility. So there's that eating away at him inside as well. And I think he just, he, he plays that brilliantly. And he shows that conflict as well. You know, he's already used the pet cemetery to bring back his little girl's cat and it didn't go very well at all. The cat came back and it was it was horrific, essentially. It was like a murderous zombie. And he's seen that that didn't go well. And he's very conflicted with the fact that he's just lost his daughter. He blames himself. He wants to bring her back. Should he bury her in the cemetery? No. And- it's like clear to literally everybody. Everybody who's watching the film and should be as clear to him. Like, it should Bullshit. be clear to Judd. Alex, Alex- no, it should be clear to Judd from the, from the minute it goes. It, Judd's like, oh, you know... I brought my dog back and then my dog like tried to kill my mum, so we had to shoot yeah. it twice. At that point, but, Jason yeah. Clark should have been like, What <laughs> the absolute fuck, Judd? Do you know what I mean? Like, why did you not why yeah, did why we take, before, why did we yeah. bury the cat then? In, in defense, right? Judd isn't told about um Lewis's intentions to to bury Ellie there. He finds out afterwards and he's like, What have you done? You you're fucking mad, you know. Imagine like imagine like that dog couldn't even speak. This this kid. Can pick up a knife and call you a prick. <laughs> I really wish I hadn't. I really wish I hadn't shown you that ancient Indian burial ground. Yeah, and, also and then your child cat, then. died, like, and I didn't see this coming. I really, really didn't think you'd be this bloody silly. You know, I mean, I, I, Alex, Alex, right, you know what? I think, do you know what I think your problem is? Is that you've got no empathy here, right? You can't I've got understand. Many problems. So, so you know what I'll say instead? Right? Can you imagine, right, if? Um, you could. You were given the chance of having one more season of The Wire with the original <laughs> cast. <laughs> oh, I see. What, I see what you're saying. But, would you go and bury your Wire box set in the ground to get one more season? Well, there's a three and four chance that the, the cast of The Wire could stab you. <laughs> <laughs> would you take the risk? If I'd already buried a show and it had come back shit, then no, I wouldn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, why would you? Why would you possibly do that? Yeah, but the thing is, is that he, jump- might, he might have buried like two and a half men and it came back shit, right? <laughs> so he was like, well, if I bury a good box set, then it's going to come back good. Or, you know, I can at least work with it. Can I jump in at this please, point and just please. say that, right, the, the child dies, right, an hour into the film. And it's so an Ellie's hour. Not- yeah, say again, sorry. It's Ellie, isn't it? Yeah, Ellie dies. So yeah. Ellie dies uh, an hour into the film. Appalling CGI, like almost like film-breakingly bad CGI in front of the trucks, by the way. I don't normally notice stuff like that, but it was like, oh, come on. Like, you must have been able to do it better than that. Um, and then, uh, but up until then, Dave, you've had an hour of being pretty bored. It gets, it, the story sort of gets going at that point, but this is what I'm saying about. There's just an endemic problem with the actual story itself that that I don't think any film could get past. It has to, it sort of has to establish this big Indian burial ground, which again, you're like, yeah, 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 Indian burial ground, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, get it. And then it comes back to life. So you have an hour spent basically with a cat coming back to life with not a lot of other stuff going on. And then the child dies. And then you've got 40 minutes where actually stuff starts happening, where the film that you knew was always going to happen happens. And this is exactly the problem with the original film. You know what I mean? You knew everything was going to happen until that hour. So you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Get it, get it, get it. I know where this is going. All right. Okay. Kid. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's sometimes you shouldn't bring things back to life and, oh, we lived near a road with big trucks going along. So anyway, <laughs> that, you really shouldn't bring thing. things back to life. You know, you shouldn't do, 
anyway, you know, there's a real danger that your child might die. But anyway, we'll keep going. And you definitely shouldn't bring things, you know, it's like, oh my God, yeah, okay, the child is going to die. He's going to, you know, again, all things we were talking about before. And instead, what you have is this really, again, the problem that was originally, you have this Victor, Victor Pasco character who's all right in the book, again, not great in the book, but completely no use whatsoever. He's just, pointless to have in the film he turns up and goes don't go over the indian burial ground dickhead (laughs) you know he he ends up doing it anyway so what's the point in having the warning you know um like clearly don't do it and then the sister we have the you know the the wife has this whole story with the sister that doesn't really have any point or resolution or really has any any real chops to do with the plot and so so you have this a lot of boring tension build-ups to jump scares that don't scare you for an hour and then 40 minutes where it's like god all the stuff that you knew was going to happen happens so again i just can't stress that i don't really feel you know when we're talking about casting characters yeah i mean gav you know jason clark is sort of okay in in this and you know so is the rest of the cast there's nothing where you go like wow that you know, John Lithgow is fine as a friend, Fred Gwynn standing. You know, I wouldn't really, I don't have much problem with the cast. But, you know, even I have to say his actual line when he says sometimes dead is better is very flat, considering that's the line you're waiting for. But mm-hmm. the, the, the the rest of the film just just doesn't, you can't have tension. You can't have, you've got these weird little side things about Victor Pasco and the actual, the actual event itself that's meant to kickstart the plot that should have happened in the first 20 minutes takes an hour to happen and that's that's story breaking bad okay uh also i just want to get your thoughts quickly and then i saw gav's hand up uh i thought i'll give you a chance to rebut both prosecutors <laughs> uh with with regard exactly with alex there actually i thought the the acting the choice of uh actors i thought it was fine they were generally believable it just felt like a you just didn't feel like a very engaging movie and i think it's mainly due with it not being a um, a great story, you know. It's it's a classic novel, I guess. If you're a Stephen King fan at the time, you know, and it's good that it's basically. And I mean, it's kind of like the monkey paw thing, isn't it? You don't quite get what you want, um, but you know, you th- you think you're wishing for something, and it's it's not what it's not what you get back. Which is great as a book. It's fine, you know, you can toy with it and it can be different, but I just don't think it works like this because there's so many versions of this story as, as and it's just, it just doesn't really translate well. But I think it, people do a good job. I think in terms of acting, you'd be happy to put it on your uh, on your CV. It's not like anyone's going to watch this and go, what the fuck? I think people did a, a fairly good job. They were quite believable. Um, his wife, I thought she was, she was particularly uh, good at seeming aggrieved uh, well, yeah, I, I thought he was good. And uh, yeah, is it the old man? Is that John Lithgow, the crazy mm. guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's I, true. Thought he was, I thought he was good, yeah. But like Alex said, that that line, which is so very eminent in the first one, uh, you know, he probably could have played it up. It's a bit like when you watch yeah. um, the, um, what's it called? Oh, Band-Aid. And you're waiting for the, tonight, thank God it's them. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of you, you know, in the first one. Well in, well in, Bono. Yeah. <laughs> Second one, okay, well in. And then the third one, when you've got what's-his-face from Coldplay, you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, man. It's along those sort of lines, you know. <laughs> I've just, never had John Lithgow fun. compared to Coldplay before. <laughs> it's apt, Dave. It's apt. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to come back to Gav now. There's not many knives going in on the cast here, Gav. Um, the general consensus is 
they all do the best they can. You know, the performances aren't too bad. The issue that we keep coming back to here is that the story just isn't that good. No fault of the film, but the original source material wasn't that good. And we did hint that Stephen King agrees with that much. Yeah. So well, what what do you reckon here, Gav? Uh, well, firstly, you know, John Lithgow's like an armadillo. You can't put a knife in his back because he has never done a bad role you know he's <laughs> like I, I, yeah, John Lithgow. I mean I, I like John Lithgow but that is quite quite a statement it's it it also a true statement you know like I, yeah, he's, he's been in bad films but has he been bad in those films no because yeah. it's John Lithgow yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway. Cliffhanger. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Come on, we're getting into another argument here. And I've just remembered the bad role that he was in. So I'm gonna <laughs> I think you were telling us recently on the podcast about a role he was awful in. Pitch Perfect 3, where he plays an Australian. <laughs> anyway, right, moving on quickly. I didn't really know he'd been in any other film. I thought he was just a guy from the Alien. Third Rock from, from the Sun. That's literally who I thought he was and nothing else. He, oh, he, was, he was in the Bake Off recently as well, so let's not forget like... that. Anyway, right, we're getting <laughs> off topic. Um, right, Alex is talking out of his arse again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to say is that like when he says that nothing is happening for like an hour, it, it's building on the characters. It's building on you know the suspense and, and also this this like peppering of uh, nightmares as well. You know, I said before about the horror. I said there was different elements to it. I think it's good at creating this creepy atmosphere. So between like the beginning and when Ellie dies, there's a lot of dream sequences Alex alluded to before. Um, Lewis is haunted by the former patient they failed to save. And Rachel has nightmares about his sister who was deformed as a child. And what's different for this one is that once again, she is solely responsible for Rachel's death. So uh, there's that more trauma and more grief um, she killed Rachel because um, she left a, a dumb waiter open and Rachel fell into it and died. So there's more, you know, once again, it's building the characters. We're shown more about, you know, like how she feels after after doing that. Obviously, um, spoiler alert, it's pretty shit. Um, <laughs> she doesn't feel great. <laughs> there's also this slow building horror, you know, it's creepy and atmospheric at first, but it builds more fr- frenetic sort of pace. When, when the cat is buried and comes back, you know, first, it's like, oh my God, the cat's back and, you know, like trying to stroke it. And, and then it slowly just starts turning more vicious. You didn't, you didn't more... see that coming, the cat coming back, even though they traveled to the Indian burial ground and buried it in. It's still like, fuck. No, but, the, but the thing is, is that like, it's, it's, with a lot of films, you can see it coming, especially if, if, if it's a remake or if it's, you know, based on a famous book, you know what's going to happen. But it's about how it gets there, uh, you know, and I think that it, it does it very well. Yeah, like setting up stuff like within, I think what, what's done very well is that it, within the first 10 minutes, we know all about the creeds, who they are, um, their new home. Uh, we know about uh, Rachel's grief and her trauma from killing her sister, essentially. There's the setup and the introduction of the speed and gas trucks passing by the new house, um, which is, is the first jump scare. And we're introduced to the pet cemetery via this very creepy child-led mask-wearing procession. And we're shown, uh, you know, all the characters' past traumas that are mentioned. All of that without any expository dialogue as well. I think that's pretty decent for the, within the first 10 minutes. And then the, the next sort of like 50 of Alex is saying that, that Ellie dies at the hour mark is about building the characters up. I'm, I'm not disputing that too. And it's about building the characters up and it's about just kind of making it just slightly creepy and creating this atmosphere. 
Okay. Uh, Alex, I saw your hand go up a couple of times. I mean, that's the first there. 10 minutes. Like Gav said, like it's 50 minutes of just nothing really happening, you know, and you know, there's, there's just this thing about a sister. What the hell does that have to do with anything else that goes on in the story? It doesn't even really seem to affect her because she basically, you know, there's, there's this bit where she gets between Ellie's death and the reveal to the wife that she's still alive is about 26 minutes. Uh, like, and then, and then Ellie pretty much just stabs at her mum. And there's no real like resolution. There's nothing the mum has learned from these flashbacks to the sister falling down a dumb waiter. There's, there's been no point at all. Just like there's no point in this constant thing of this Victor Pasco coming back and being, I mean, it provides a couple of reasons to do these jump scares, but it doesn't have any effect on the plot, which is mind-blowing, really, that you're introducing these elements, these massive elements, and then not doing anything with them. You know, and that means it's just boring. Even these build-ups, you know, when you think about something, and I know it wasn't going for like an insidious level of scariness, okay? But insidious is like, it's building up these jump scares. You've got them walking through. They hear, you know, it's like you hear a bump noise and they go, oh, what's that noise? And they walk towards it and you've got the actors going, oh, oh, oh. And, you know, and getting more worried and worried and worried. And then just nothing really seems to happen. The payoff is always extremely poor. And my main problem with it is the fucked up, the, sorry, I'm swearing quite a lot this episode, but the messed up of it. It's like the the spirit of Stephen <laughs> King. Yeah, 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 regular Stephen King, King over it. <laughs> uh, the, the events that seem to happen, that seem to matter, just seem very sort of taken in everyone's stride. Even, you know, when he finds, when, when, um, when he finds Judd dead, stabbed and with his throat cut and stuff like this and stabbed many times by what is his child that he's just brought back from the dead. You know, his, his Jason Clark's reaction is, God damn it. Do you know what I mean? Like he's, <laughs> like he's just found that he's left the stove on like, God, Ellie, come on. <laughs> like, don't kill our neighbors. You know, and again, I'm not really blaming Jason Clark for it because it's just like, what do you really say to this? It, and, you know, even the death after the child, you know, the mum just sort of carries on. I, I, the student dies, Victor Pasco, and everyone just sort of carries on. So all of these things happen. And even in these scenes where it's like, oh, something really big has happened. For some reason in the film, it's just taken in your stride. So the, 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 the child dies and you're sort of like, right, you're just pushed on with it. You're not really, even though you've got an hour and 40 minutes and not a lot happening like that, you know, like Gav was sort of pointing out, then you should have taken loads of time. If the daughter's death was a lot earlier, say in that 50 minute section where not a lot happens, then you could have spent a lot of time dealing with the grief and dealing with some big themes. And actually maybe if you dealt with the child's death in a bigger, in a bigger way, you could maybe then make the rest of the movie. But because it happened so late, everything else just sort of happens and right, the, he's dead. And then the mum dies. And again, Jason Clark seems to take that extremely well that the mum's dead. And, you know, it, it, there's no time to really, make any of these big events seem scary because they don't seem very impactful. It's, um, it's a boring watch. It's, it's, it's got its moments. It's got its interesting moments and the cast go away to offsetting that. But you just come away think, feeling like that. I mean, that, that is my main feeling after watching the film, which okay. You know? Okay. Gav, I see your hands up. Yeah, I, I would argue, like, it's not boring. It's not a boring watch. And I'd like to come back on several things that Alex says here. So I think the inclusion of Rachel's sister is important because Rachel admits at the beginning that her sister had a deformity and she treated Rachel 
um, differently because what the sister was cruel to Rachel because she was envious, she was jealous that Rachel also wasn't deformed, she was able to live a normal life. Um, Rachel was scared of her sister because of, of her actions and because of her deformity, so she was essentially trying to avoid her as much as she can. Um, she just ignored her, pretended that she wasn't there, she was frightened by her, and thus, you know, she killed her essentially because she didn't want to go and take her food to her so she tried to put it in the dumbwaiter and you know when the sister tried to access it she fell down the dumbwaiter and died that comes to effect later on when Rachel is told that Ellie is back Rachel sort of experiences this vision she has a nightmare of the sister she's trying to come to terms with Ellie being resurrected and then there's the sort of like the Rachel is thinking about her reactions and her attitude towards her sister where she was pushing her away when essentially she needed to have brought her closer to her, she needed to have accepted her and needed to have loved her. And she is thinking about that. That is repeating itself with Ellie. Ellie is not the same person. Ellie is showing these violent tendencies, but she's thinking, she's my daughter, I need to love her, I can't push her away like I did my sister. That That's all your own interpretation. None of that is made explicit. None of it is made explicit in the films. In the literal five minutes between when she finds, when she knows the daughter's alive to when the daughter puts a knife through her back. A lot of those five minutes is spent with her running away from a daughter. You're not really spending those time thinking, God, this is just like her relationship with her sister. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're not. You're just not. No one is. Um, you know what, the the it, sister it, as well. Sorry, that, sorry. I know I've talked. Yeah, to, yeah, no, no, like, carry on, carry on, carry on. The, the sister is. Uh, it's not an extremely. If the sister's just deformed and is fine in the rest, you know, it's not a particularly um, progressive view of what someone with deformities might look like. For, you could you could very much forgive anyone watching it to thinking that the sister is demonically possessed for most of the film. You know, because she's got. You know, she's not. She's not just got a deformity. She's literally scaring the, the the living hell out of anyone that would go near her. So the idea that she's like overcoming some sort of problem that she has with deformities, no, you know, I, I just don't buy it at all. And and none of that is is brought out in those scant minutes between her seeing her daughter, but to between her daughter stabbing her in the back. Okay, thank you. And Gav? Well, maybe like it's implied, maybe, you know, I've looked into it too much, but I think it's quite, you know, obvious that that's what's happening. Um, I mean, it's not like kind of, we're not spoon fed it as an audience, but we're shown it in her nightmares and we can kind of piece together that that's what she's thinking. They mentioned before as well, Alex and Austin, about the horror taking so long to happen and, you know, Ellie's death happening at the hour mark and then stuff feeling a bit crammed. I would argue that if Ellie's death happens any sooner, then it would kind of fall flat. Um, you know, we're already shown the effects of the, the burial ground through the cat. And then when Ellie happens, um, it's it's all very quick, you know, because I think with a, a person who's been brought back to life, they can communicate better, you know, the, the their experiences and they can show more easily the differences between what they were like then and what they are now. So if you would have brought it back earlier, you would have been able to see that something was wrong quicker. You know, I think they dealt with it perfectly i think the death happened our expectations as an audience were subverted because we were expecting gage to die and then ellie was the one who got run over and so you know we didn't expect that and then the grief 
I think the perfect amount of time was spent on it because any longer, as you were saying, Alex, then he would have started coming to you know, his senses. He would have been a bit more rational, a bit more understanding. He wouldn't have gone, shit, I need to go and bury her in the, in the pet cemetery. It's all rash. He blames himself. He's guilty. And he makes a stupid, rash decision to go and bury her. And then it comes back to bite him on the arse quite literally and you know and from there I think that the, the horror is ramped up so from there we have the sort of like sly sort of creepy is she a bit normal there is something wrong here what's going on you know she shows signs of her normal self but then it just explodes like the attack on Judd it is a lot different from the original it's definitely more visceral um she even takes on the the form of his dead wife to scare him which is another really good point i think and then later on when she kills rachel the mum one thing i didn't know i, I didn't like about the original is that after rachel the mum is killed by gage the dad once again goes and buries her in the same fucking burial ground. It's like, Jesus Christ, man, haven't you learned from your two failed experiments that it ain't going to go well? Here, he's knocked out, and then when he wakes up, he's, he's about to kill Ellie, but then all of a sudden, like from nowhere, he's stabbed and he's killed by Rachel, who it turns out has been buried there by Ellie. And the last scene that we see is the whole family the, the dad, the mum, Ellie, and even the cat returning to Gage, who is the only living member of the family left, and his face is like, fucking hell. <laughs> ba -dum, ba -dum. Well, it would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> if only he'd looked at camera and sort of gone, boo. <laughs> blink, okay. Blink. I think I pretty much got everything. I'll offer you guys a chance for brief closing points, if you like. Uh, Alex, you want to go first? Yeah, just two things. One thing that Gav said, like, if it's subverting my expectations that it's not that Ellie would have died, right, being run over by a truck, it's that Gage would have been driving the truck that ran over the truck driver. Now, that would have... <laughs> <laughs> that would have truly subverted expectations. That would have really, really messed me up. But uh, my main thing, it's just a very brief thing, and I've sort of... It's just wrapping up what I've said before, is you've got some massive themes of dealing with child death here okay which is very big and it talks about how to deal with how to talk to children about death should you talk about an afterlife with them and and that's very interesting and it doesn't go anywhere and it's a real shame because it's it's the heart of the film you're just watching an open goal being missed instead it spends an entire round an hour an entire first hour of the film telling you and setting up this ancient burial indian burial ground i don't care about the ancient indian burial ground i don't need to believe it i need to know somewhere where things come up spend really long time getting to grips with your themes of the actual film don't just say wow does this engine burial ground oh and a child dies and in the back and then that's the interesting part of the film it's just it's too big a theme for such a pot boiler of a film do, do anything don't kill a child kill the mum let the mum come back and as an adult that's fine do you know what i mean off the mum don't off the child that's that's i can't deal with that and still be enjoying this as some sort of like popcorn thriller. Duly noted. Ozzy, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, um, for me, it's uh, a bit of a shame, you know, is that they really could have, they, what they it felt like they could have brought, you know, an old film, it's 30 odd years, and it was 32 years, 19, 89? I think it's 30 years. Anyway, let's, let's call it 30 years. Yeah. I think that's enough time has passed where you can bring something back to life and really make it make it work instead it felt like they put that in the Indian burial ground and came back with this absolute monster of a film <laughs> like in a bad way um you know it, i think a lot of the points in there is that this book you know they should have realized that 
the first one didn't work incredibly well. It just works better as a book. The themes within it, easier to read. And, and you know, your imagination is far better than this movie's budget can reproduce. Yeah. That's the big thing for me, you know, is that if, you're, if you read the story, I can fill out those horrors. I can make that monster, you know, all of that. I can make the, the truck, everything like that. I can make that far, far worse than you, they can you do. You can make it. the truck worse. Yeah, you know, like in my, in you know, in my head, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. It's that, got teeth. That, that whole, <laughs> you know, that whole theme, theme, essentially, I can imagine that far better than they can do that with the budget they've got. And, you know, it just, it just it, it's a film that, I guess the story has a lot of promise. People have done this sort of thing quite well before, but uh, I think, like Alex said, that we're essentially left with a bit of a forgettable film at the end of it. It's a bit... You know, I'm probably not going to talk about this next week. I'm not going to have remembered what went on. Um, I think the when you mentioned earlier about things being scary made me have a little think that the only truly scary thing about this is that probably in like, I don't know, 15, 20 years time, someone might try and make it again. <laughs> that's, that's a good singer to close on. I like it. Uh, Gav, anything you'd like to add briefly before we wrap up? Yeah, when I was reading the book, I did imagine the truck being more scary. I imagined him in a leather jacket waiting around the corner with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, like, it's, honestly, I think this deals with those sort of life questions uh, really well. The questions of morality, you know, and, and life and death. It's, it's it's all about that. That first hour is essentially like, if you could, would you? He's, he's testing it out with the cat. It doesn't go well. And then when his daughter dies, it's like, well... I'm going to do it again because she's my daughter and she's much more important than the cat, you know, and he knows well, the that film, it the film well. doesn't agree. It's an hour on the cat and 20 minutes on the... Um... <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's an hour about kind of questioning whether we We're did not going to get into not. this now. We're not going to get... Stay on your point, Gav. Okay, right. <laughs> Listen, even a speeding truck couldn't stop me from giving this a glowing review. <laughs> and if Alex and Ozzy aren't possessed to go and give this film a good review, then they can go... F- Bury themselves. Yeah, okay. It was a good start, (laughs) Okay, I got, I got everything. This, this case is adjourned. I've got everything I need. Um, I can kill some time if anyone's got anything to kill time with. Tell a story. Tell a story. (laughs) (laughs) Whistle an anecdote. I do have a, I do have a very quick quiz here. Uh, Excellent. it's, It's a quiz I like to call Pet Shop Boys. (laughs) <laughs> and essentially, I, I'm just going to ask you questions about Stephen King novels. And, oh, um, not the pet shop boys. They're all about pets, <laughs> shops, or boys in Stephen King works. <laughs> so, right, question number one. Uh, fingers on the buzzers. What is the name, and I've been very conscious not to say it, what is the name of the cat in Pet Cemetery? Full uh, name, full name, oh, please. Alex. In this, this one? Churchill, Winston Churchill. Ooh, Oh yeah, I thought it was just churches. Kitty Winston, Winston Kitty. It's Winston, Winston Kitty Church, Church, which is short for Winston Church Hill. Wait, so, am I getting the point? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll give you the point. You're going to screw me. <laughs> because of all what, uh, what the, how, how nasty you've been about the film, it's going to be half a point. A lot um, less nasty this time around. <laughs> uh, number two, Western Auto Store appears in which King book? The Western uh, Auto Store. Uh, uh, Dave? Is it Christine? No. Alex? That was my guess too. Uh, Austin, did you say, is it the one with the ducks in? Uh, <laughs> no, I was also going to say Christine. Right, no, no. <laughs> I meant to say the one with the car in. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, in uh, sense. 
Was carry- Stephen King running out of ideas oh. and he's just like, ducks. <laughs> ducks. Killer, killer ducks. Ducks. Killer ducks. <laughs> um, okay, number three, this one probably for Alex or Dave. What mm-hmm. is the name of the young child that appears in the Dark Tower movie? Ah, oh, oh. good one. Uh, the uh, well, isn't it? Edward? No. Eric? No. It's an E name, I'm sure it begins with E. No, no. it begins no. with a J. J. Jason? No, I'll <laughs> just tell you. Joe, uh, joke. <laughs> joke. Jake Chinks. Jake. Jake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course it's Jake. Okay, right, question number four, and I'm hoping, right, wait for Ozzy to answer this one, right, before you guys jump in. What is the name of the pet mouse in The Green Mile? Can't remember now. <laughs> it was a test to see whether he'd actually spent fucking three hours watching the film but uh, yeah Dave Ozzy I mean Dave um, Dave uh, Mr Jingles it is Mr Jingles well done okay um, I literally food... just said Jingles and you just were going off on a rant about me not watching the film when did you say that I can't remember I said you couldn't remember I said oh I can't remember I don't know Jingles and then you went yeah just a test to see if he'd watched it I'd already started talking I didn't catch that either (laughs) yeah yeah, I'd already started talking and I automatically think that whatever I'm saying is more important than whatever anybody else is trying to say okay (laughs) number five the food house is the name of a general store in which king film the food house Mm. technically a court because it's quite big uh, it's Alex the, the Mist yes well done The Mist ah. okay number six what is the name I of know. the young protagonist from King's The Long Walk ah oh, it's a good one but I don't remember first name no Ray Garrity it's a great um, book that. I mentioned that because it's yeah. actually getting uh, adapted uh, for, the, for the film for the film um, I don't know how they're going to do that, but it'll be interesting no, anyway. It's a really good book. Probably be appalling, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, not a lot. But I mean, a lot happens, but also not a lot happens. You are just really. watching people walking and when they're tired of walking, being shot, basically, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Is, is the film. Oh. Anyway, like watching uh, a ramble, but with a lot more gunfire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like... Uh, a battle royale meets Britain's <laughs> yeah, greatest <laughs> anyway uh, number seven uh, what's the name of the dog from the stand oh, uh, I questions I, I know good are the uh, first Stephen King fans um, nope. qu- right, okay right, I'll give you Is a clue he... oh, oh go on Ozzy no no but I, I, I'll know it when you say it but I can't remember isn't it like some sort of detective or something yes it's based on a, on a famous detective Poirot. Bergerac. Oh, like a big dog was Bergerac. Yeah, yeah, the the song's called Bergerac. Tag it. Stephen King's a huge John Nettles fan. Morse. (laughs) It's called Love Love Joint, based on Love Joint. It's Kojak. Who loves you? Kojak. Right, okay, right. Darnell's Garage is a location featured in which King movie? Christine. Christine. <laughs> I'll, give it, I'll give it to Ozzy because it doesn't get many. Well done, Ozzy. Um, <laughs> it had to be, one of them was going to be... It had Christine, to be Christine. Sooner or later, it had to be Christine. Right. Okay, well, here we go. Right, here's another one for Ozzy because I compared him to the character last week. What's the name of the young protagonist from Christine? No idea. No? I've never seen it. Anybody? I've got a book here, actually, but I've never seen it. Um, okay, so the first name is the name of a very, very famous 80s mega action star. Arnold. Arnold Cunningham. Yes, well done. Oh, yes. 
And uh, number 10, this is the last one. You can do it as yourselves, amongst yourselves, sorry, as a group. Name all of the members from the Losers Club in it. Um, oof, no. Richie tells you. Oh, you don't have to do second names, Dave. Just okay, Richie. <laughs> <laughs> Stan. Yeah. Uh, Bill. Yep. Bev. Yep. Um, Kev. Ben. Ben, yeah. Mike. Yes. Uh, One more. And Eddie. Yes, well Good done, done Dave. Well and done. Uh, what I didn't say is that was a seven-point question. So Dave. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> I, think, I think you earned that one, Dave. Jesus. Yeah, all, all on your well own, done. man. Well, eh? Okay, so back to you, Dave. Yeah, uh, thank you very much, Gav. Uh, yeah, I've, I've had a bit to consider with this one. Um, I'd, by the end of the trial, I had made up my mind. I could sit back and enjoy the quiz. Um, this, there seems to be a lot going for this film. I've got to say, from what it sounds like, it sounds like it's a well-made film insofar as it seems to be well-directed. It seems like they've done a good job of adapting the novel. I think Gav is, is right when he says that if you're a fan of the book, you will quite enjoy this adaptation, even though they've made some made some stark changes to it. You know, there are changes, you know, he said that Stephen King approved of the film. There, ergo, he approved of the changes. You know, so this was a good idea. You know, it always it's always difficult to bring a book and switch its medium into film. Adaptations are hard. Stephen King adaptations are particularly hard. And I think this sounds like it was a bit of a stretch to adapt. Not that they've done a bad job. The cast were good. The, the script seems all right. What Gav was saying about, you know, not no expository dialogue. It seems like they do a lot to build tension, a lot to build up the atmosphere. Um, I don't even mind the tropes of the, the Native American burial ground. Yeah, it's a trope now, but, you know, the, the reason behind that is because of the book about cemetery. Um, that and Poltergeist and Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, you know, hmm. all these things contributed to that becoming the trope that it is now. So I don't mind that. And I think this is a good adaptation. I would go as far as I say it's a very good adaptation. But they changed the right bits. They kept the right bits. But the problem is that we came back down to was the source material. Uh, and Alex and Austin both said, you know, the book is, you know, Ozzy seems to really enjoy the book. He says, you know, the, your imagination can run away with you with that. It's, it's difficult to adapt it anyway. But I think the source material being weaker, you know, Stephen King doesn't write this book himself. He doesn't think he dealt with the themes of the death of the child particularly well, looking back on it. And I think that came back to haunt him here, you know, no pun intended. And what really was the nail in the coffin for this was when Gav was kept... He, have kept mentioning the stupid decisions the characters make, the implausibility. You know, no, we've we've no understanding of, of the grief that he went through. You know, I hope to God we never will. But it does seem so implausible. And I recall when we did the original, there was that bit with the Victor Pasco ghost at the end of the film where he's he's taking his wife away to bury her again in the pet cemetery. It's like Lewis, <laughs> please, Lewis. <laughs> he's like imploring with him, and it's just like it's it it does seem irrational and I, I, grief makes you do the strangest of things but Gav said stupid decisions stupid reasoning and everyone kept enforcing the point that at the end of the day these plot points that the film hinges on don't make sense they don't hold true in the harsh light of day and I think ultimately although this was a good adaptation I just think there's only so much you can do with Pet Cemetery, and I think it's time to stop trying to adapt it and let it be the solid novel that it is it's never going to make a good film we've tried it's going on the shit list. Ooh. Good judgment, Dave. Rounds oh. it up very that, well. Is that twice it's been on the shit list now? Yeah. I'm sure, it is. Is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> who, 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 who was in each role? Gav, what did you do in the first one? I defended the first one, and it's one of my um, 
crowning disappointments, to be honest. I, I, I genuinely, I, I liked the first one. I saw it when I was a kid and, you know, like I was, well, I wasn't scared by anything, <laughs> you know, in film. But, um, yeah, no, I, I really liked it as I was a kid. And watching it back is a bit tinny, it is a bit cheesy, but I think ultimately it, it's a good horror film. This one round, um, it was all right. You know, I, I, it's been a long time. I think, you know, like the time off recording episodes been good for me because um i haven't been watching films with a critical eye for this this podcast so i, I don't think i've actually seen a shit film i've probably have seen shit films but like i haven't found the film shit even you know like watching some really bad ones i've gone oh that was awful I, and I, i'd say you stopped being able to figure if a game film was shit enough around 2006 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no uh, that's coming back that's coming back and you know maybe if i was to watch this again in a year's time, I might feel differently. But I didn't mind this at all. Dave, your biggest sort of point at the end there is about the stupid decisions. And that was one of the things I think that they got right about this film is that there were none or there were fewer stupid decisions made in this. So they gave explanations for why those decisions were made. My main gripe with it is what Alex was saying. It does take a little while to set up. And uh, one thing I liked about the original was Victor Pasco and the sister. And I do think that they were kind of more they weren't even supporting characters they were just like sort of very very much in the background and i think they needed to be bring brought out to the foreground more but i do think that there is potential to make a really really good film here but oh, this man, just didn't got, achieve it they've got to stop trying man. maybe again in 30 <laughs> years time we'll see hopefully anyway right alex what was your opinion yeah it's just very boring i mean it's a boring watch it's not entertaining but it also leaves a bad taste because you're also like oh the kid's dead and you're bored which is <laughs> not a good is you don't you don't come away feeling you know come away from it and you're like wow you know kids have been in peril and everything's been scary but the stakes are just right about right that you just not you know you don't really you you know you you, you come away entertained you're bored and you just find it unpleasant because some horrible stuff happens it's like it, you, you, it rather than it just being like a passive thing you actually wish you sort of hadn't watched it because it was boring and unpleasant. Like, not not a good state for a film, you know? Man, I mean, it's not like you've attended a funeral. So <laughs> I mean, feel that at, bad. At, at some point you have in the film. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, Ozzy? Uh, it's just, like I said, I was pretty true to myself there that it's just fairly forgettable, you know? Just, I'm, I'm not going to... I genuinely don't think I'll be able to tell you anything that happens in this in a month's time. Okay. What's a bit of a cash-in? I think it was a bit of a cash grab as well. I think that's why they remade it. Yeah, yeah but it really did feel as though it was along the lines of, fuck, look how well it did. Yeah, let's get on the Stephen King what, Yeah, basically Defo. like, guys, what, what what scripts have we got? What have we got the rights to? We've got Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Green light, you know, like green yeah. light. Do it. Yeah. Just go and do it. Go and make it. Okay, um, right. So, I, I mean, I shouldn't even bother asking, but higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was the Green Mile? <laughs> Green Mile. <laughs> <laughs> A lot, like half. I would say. Yeah. 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 Well, so the critical score for Green Mile and Rotten Tomatoes is seventy-eight, and Pet Cemetery is very much low, fifty-five percent. Green Mile scored 94% audience rating, so it'd be hard to beat that. But surprisingly, Pet Cemetery <laughs> does beat it. Uh, uh, 33%? Ooh. That's where I thought so Critical would have got to, to be honest. Yeah. I'm surprised the Critical got so high. Go on, Gap, where would you where would you put this as rotten? 
I yeah, I think it's pretty much slap dash, like bang in the middle. So I reckon about 50-50. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think if it would have gone on the hit list, I could have been like, mm, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's felt a bit bad. Question. Yeah, <laughs> I would have felt a little bit bad. But if it went on the shit list, you know, yeah, I'm not that fussed. Anyway, right. Okay, thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you to everyone who's listened to this episode. If you liked this episode, why not check out some previous content on filmsontrial.co.uk. Follow us on Twitter at Film Trials. Uh, follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, Films on Trial. And why not leave us a lovely five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So, the next film has been pulled out of the hat at random. And, well, it, I say the hat, it's a Stephen King hat. And a continuation of our Stephen King month, or the culmination of our Stephen King month, is The Dark Tower. So all the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So in defense of The Dark Tower is going to be Alex. Prosecution is going to be Dave and myself. And as judge, it's going to be Ozzy. So, um, yeah, look forward to that one. You know, when you said Stephen King, it's not, it's a Stephen King hat. Like, what is it? Possessed? <laughs> is it a vampire? Is it, does, it, does it bite? Where's this going? <laughs> um, anyway, right. So that is it. The uh, what am I trying to say here? Pet Cemetery yeah. is a shit. <laughs> Goodbye. We will be in your ears next week okay. with. I've forgotten the film. <laughs> See, it's hard, isn't it? It's, it's, hard. Not as easy. it's not as easy as it looks. We're it's doing not the... as easy as it looks. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that is it. Pet Cemetery is a shit, and we're going to be in your ears next week with The Dark Tower. Goodbye. You just walk past it like a bottle of Coke that's just full of piss. But it's got like, it's got like a, an 80s brand of Coke that's faded. And you know when you just like, got that bottle of piss has been there for longer than we have been on this earth <laughs> and probably will be past our time. Yeah, you know, it's there right there, now. Yeah. It is there right now for sure, you know.